Hello beautiful and welcome to Finding Fertility. I'm your host Monica Cox from FindingFertility.co and I created this podcast to help get you to start thinking outside of the box and realize that your infertility might have nothing to do with your lady bits. Rooted in functional medicine and personal experience, finding fertility is all about looking at the whole body and finding the root cause of your infertility. Finding fertility does not diagnose, prescribe, or treat any issues of infertility, but what we do is take a holistic approach and improve your diet and your lifestyle to get you steps closer to creating your dream family. Just by being here with me, listening to this podcast, you're already going down the right path to making your dreams come true. Let's do this together. Happy Friday, all. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Fertility. We are here with Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into fertility coaching. Well, first of all, I'm so excited to talk to another fertility coach. I feel like I want everybody to be out there helping men and women get pregnant and carry their babies to full term. But um, I am a mama of three boys and we were just chatting before this on, you know, our commonality on that. And I help men and women figure out their, their fertility path, whether that's conceiving on their own or ART or adoption. So we kind of go through that process to see what's the right fit for them. I also help men and women through their miscarriage losses, whether that's early term or late term. And I'm a bereavement doula. So what that means is in those cases where it becomes a little bit more intense, you know, perhaps second or third or stillbirth situations that I work with the family and the hospital to figure out what next steps are and how to start healing from that process. Yeah. It's such an important role to have. Um, one, because it's not talked about, like a lot of people probably don't even know that exists. I unfortunately they don't. And I think spreading that word to let people know that it does. If you hear of somebody who is going through it, that you can just drop them that line of saying, you know, check with your hospital. Some of them have um, bereavement doulas on hand because they, they kind of set everything up for you. They get you a special room that you can be with on your own. They walk through what your process is like, or do you want to see the baby? Do you not want to, do you want to get footprints uh, from them, you know, all different kinds of things, and then help you set up to get home and, and work through the emotions that everybody's going to have, whether there's siblings around as well, that, you know, they have this idea that there was supposed to be a little one coming and now there's not. And so you really just work through the family, work through it with the family to get to a point. So they understand that it's okay with what they're going through and allow them the space and the grace to, to heal that process and put them in contact with any sort of therapist that maybe they need to see, or, um, sometimes anger management. So it just depends on the specific situation, but there's a lot of different aspects that go into it that are not necessarily thought of. And, you know, letting people know if you hear of anybody that's gone through it to reach out to somebody, because it is really a helpful, service to have when you're going through something like that. Yeah, definitely. How did you get into this? 
Um, I had a few referrals that happened to be late term losses. Um, I had my early losses. And then when I was helping these others, I realized this is a whole different situation, right? Um, when you have been feeling this baby, you know, what's happening. You've had multiple scans. You're at 20, 24 weeks or whatnot. And then something comes up and you're, you either lose it, you know, unintentionally, or you're forced to go through that. Um, so initially it was just, uh, referrals from people that knew that I had gone through losses myself. And once I was at my second late term loss, I realized I really need to figure this out and how to really truly support them and learn, um, as a proper doula certified doula of what are the processes to go through this? Because most hospitals, at least where I live in California, do not have anything in place. And unfortunately the nurses and those OB teams, you know, they're not really prepared for that really, mm. you know, they don't know on an emotional level, how to handle that, what, you know, how much time to allow, especially during COVID, um, you know, unfortunately beds are a scarcity right now. So, um, to allow people to just be there and stay in that space for as long as they need, you kind of have some need to have somebody advocate for you in that, that way. Um, you can have, we bring in, whether that's a chaplain, a priest, a rabbi, whoever it is for you specifically that makes you and your family feel comforted. Um, we keep certain people away. If you're not ready to see other family members or friends or whatnot, we kind of, um, kind of pretend that we're the goalie, so to speak in those situations. But yeah, that's how I got into it. It was basically, unfortunately being part of two initially and realizing that this is something that happens more than we know. And the support is, is so needed because then as, as far as the mom goes they're they've just delivered a baby essentially. Right. So they're yeah. lactating. They are having all the, the postpartum hormones on top of dealing with a death, um, and getting their head around why this has happened. So there's a lot of different aspects to it. And some want to get back into all they can think about is having their next baby when really they need to heal their yeah. body and their heart and their soul from this one. Right. But it's all they can think about. So it, it, it does become a little bit complex, but having somebody to guide them through the process, you know, it makes it the, the hit a little less, I think, because they feel that they're supported in a way that somebody understands and experiences knows what the next step is for them instead of just figuring it out online or Googling or, you know, that sort of thing. I think you're right. I know everyone like, um, has a difference of opinion. Um, I had two early miscarriages and, um, and when I see I've, I've had friends whose babies have died after birth. I've had friends whose babies who died, um, late in the womb and, um, it was always kind of weird because we went through infertility for so long. Like, you know, our friends like met their partners, got pregnant and had babies and had losses. Yeah. And when they had those losses, they, they actually came to us and kind of, and, and said like, I, I know how you feel now, which was so heartbreaking because you don't want anyone to know how you feel. And I always had to, you know, kind of say, look, you know, we might be in the same body of water because we're not holding the child or the children that we thought we would have by now. 
but I truly feel that we're in different boats because, you know, when, like you say, when you're pregnant, you really start to bond with that baby after a certain amount of time. Um, and obviously it grows stronger and stronger and stronger with that bond. And, um, when I had my early miscarriages, the first one was my first pregnancy. So that was after five years. And I was very much in that mindset of I can get pregnant at least. And I, I know that was like a guard. Now I look back and I wish I would have given myself more grace about that loss, Mm -hmm. but it was very much like, well, I can do it. I can do it. Okay. Let's go. Like you say, let's go. Let's get the next one. Right. Like we're going to do this. Um, and, um, I just don't think there's enough. Um, I mean, I think the conversation is getting started. There's people like you, there's a lot more people talking about their experiences than there was even 10 years ago. Um, but give yourself that time to, uh, of grace to heal both physically and mentally. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> most, most countries now are getting on board with the whole bereavement time off which is great because it is being acknowledged now, finally. I mean, even when I had my losses and maybe the same for you, Monica, was you're kind of expected to be back to work on Monday, right? Like it wasn't a thing that you could really say this is because most of the time people didn't even know you're pregnant to begin with. There's that aspect, right? And then you think, okay, this has happened and now I need to just get back to life when really you're grieving a death. Like, yeah a death, a story that you wrote for your life of what that was going to be like, as soon as you got that positive pregnancy test. Um, so yeah, I, and I understand, and I agree with you as far as the, in different boats, because you trust the doctors as you go along with these scans and your doctor's appointments, right? That, okay, there's a heartbeat at week 12. There's a heartbeat at week 18 there, you know, like you think everything is going fine. You do your anatomy scan and whatever. So you have this sense of, everything's going to be fine, right? Everything's good. And then for it to end up not being okay. And sometimes not even getting an answer as to why Mm -hmm. it all of a sudden isn't okay, right? If our uncle dies or whatever, we usually know what happened, right? Um, In these cases, most of the time, unfortunately, there isn't a defined reason as to what has gone wrong, which then leads to PTSD when you do have your next pregnancy. And that's a whole nother situation of, you know, working with people to try to find the joy and understand that this is a different situation and, you know, really shift the mindset around it because you can't undo what was done before. You can't pretend like it didn't happen, but we, we try our best to really work with our mind and different tools in order to find the joy in the next pregnancy and not live in fear of that happening again. Yeah, exactly. Which both of my boys are rainbow babies and is extremely hard um, from personal experience to um, especially my second, my, my second was um, conceived two months after my last miscarriage. And I had a very heavy bleed um, at nine weeks. Um, The day after I just got a scan as well. Mm -hmm. And luckily my um, husband's mom is a retired midwife and I called her and she's like that that's not what happens. You don't see a healthy heartbeat and then have, you know, all of a sudden it just, you know, comes out for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and she really like helped calm my nerves. Like there's something there 
don't worry. You know, she was pretty positive the baby was still okay. And it was. And it was quite funny. I went back to the, not funny, but um, I went back to the same scanner and she was having a good route around. She saw the baby, the baby's heartbeat was there. And then she was like, do you know that you have like a heart-shaped uterus? I was like, yeah, of course. I dealt with infertility for almost nine years. Like, yeah. She's like, oh, well, what's happened is he's implanted on this side and you basically shed that side of your, your lining, which didn't happen with my first pregnancy. So yeah. it was like you said, completely different, a completely different scenario, but, um, your mindset. And I felt like I had pretty strong mindset on that pregnancy. Um, and I had to work really, really hard to not let the anxiety and the overwhelm of, um, loss, you know, get to me. It's really hard. It is hard. Um, it's a real thing. And so anybody who feels like they're going to will it away, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Again, your body knows it remembers your experience. So going into that next scan and wondering if there's going to be a heartbeat, that's real, right? But mm -hmm. being able to have certain tools that may be able to help you, whether that's you know, meditation or deep breathing or journaling or talking to somebody before whatever it may be to help you work through that to get there, because it is so important that you celebrate those, those pregnancies, right? And, and we don't want you to be fearful through those, despite what your experience was, and it should be fun and it should be exciting. And, you know, there are ways to still figure that out despite having a pre previous loss. Yeah, definitely. What, um, I know you run a mama's Mamas after miscarriage. Miscarriage group. What's yeah. kind of one of your top tips within that group that you maybe at the very beginning of when they come in, what's like one of the one things you say to them? That you're not alone. First of all, you're not broken and you do have other people here to support you. And I think that's kind of the biggest things when, I don't know about you, but when it happened to me, I was like, oh, this is why people don't talk about it. You feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You feel embarrassed. You like, it was such a weird feeling. And I was like, I never in a million years thought I would feel these things. Um, but you can't help but feeling that way. And I think that's why there's this stigma around it that people aren't as open as I would like them to be. Um, and the more that we normalize this conversation, then when it happens to Susie Q down the street, she's not going to feel that way. Right. Cause she's going to mm -hmm. be like, Oh, Elizabeth and Monica had it, you know, this person had one and, and this is how it goes and whatnot. Um, but really it's just a place for them to get information of what to expect next. What's the difference between taking the pill versus doing a DNC. If it didn't happen naturally at home, what could be happening with their body? What's and you know, everybody's body is different, but also what's normal and what's not normal. When, when should you start to be concerned about something? Um, some ideas about doing a remembrance for your pregnancy. A lot of times people just want to share their story, right? So tell me about your experience leading up to getting pregnant. How was that? Did you guys try for a long time or did it happen right away? And when you found out how was that feeling and what, how did you guys celebrate that? And, you know, they want to go through that process of telling their story and then also telling what happened, you know, was it, you know, no blood at all? Was it a lot of blood? What, 
you know, just letting them have a space where they feel like they can share what their experience was. And then just helping them through again, the process of what is it going to, what's going to feel good for you to start to get your heart to heal. And is that taking some extra time for you to just be writing, meditating? What, what is it that's going to feel good for you? Cause it's different for everybody. And that there's other people out there that can answer the questions for you. And so that, you know, that you're not alone going through it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good because yeah, you don't, I'm just trying to think, I mean, everyone around us really knew what we were going through at that stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we weren't, um, we didn't keep it a secret. We like, I think when you deal with infertility for so long, um, like the secret just like they can't be kept right yeah. it's too exhausting you know like trying to like come up with stories of I mean people just kept asking and asking when are you gonna have kids I mean we had been together um over a decade and still hadn't had kids and um so yeah when when we had to tell people that we miscarried I kind of felt um like okay about telling people Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because I had failed, like failed in parentheses so many times. <laughs> like I had to tell people about my failed IVFs and, you know, like years of not getting pregnant. Uh-huh. So I kind of felt like when that came around, it was just like part of the story. Of yeah. 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 It was a really and weird feeling. But in some ways that's understandable, right? Because of your experience going through it. And that's again, for me was, I have to talk about this because nobody I know in my life has talked about it. Why isn't anyone talked to me about this? Right. I wouldn't be feeling this way if I knew I could pick up the phone and call somebody who'd been through it. Um, as well as we go through how to talk to other people in your life. Right. So how do you communicate with your husband? If he's not on the same page as you, right. He, you guys grieve in a different way or he's not feeling it as much as you are. And he wants to take more time to wait, whereas you want to start again or vice versa. And so we kind of work through all of those things, um, talking to friends and family about it and, and how to explain it to people. You know, most of the time, the generation prior to us, they, they think it's really easy to just have a baby and, and do it. Right. So the concept of, well, we'd been trying this long and now this, you know, it's really hard for them to get their head around sometimes. So yeah, just talking through a lot of things of boundaries for yourself and, and how to commemorate that loss and what to go through in order to heal so that you can move forward in a healthy way, because people sometimes who don't really take that time end up, you know, I have people from seven to nine years ago that they had losses that are now just going through to acknowledge those now because they had so much going on between then where it was like, okay, I just got back to work. I had my other baby. I never really had time to deal with that. Right. And, um, I get that, but it's never leaves you. Right. So it's still something that they feel like they wanted to acknowledge and talk about and get through because it's part of their heart. Yeah. I think to, um, maybe with the early miscarriages as well, um, you almost disconnect and you're like, well, it's not that, you know, not that big of a deal. And Mm -hmm. you're like protecting yourself from that heartache. 
And so you yeah. don't deal with it and you just move on. And um, it's obviously a little bit more easy recovery. It doesn't take as long. Um, yeah. And like you say, they just sweep it. I know that I did that with my, my first for sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, since have gone back and just really honored that life that was, um, yeah, was mine for a little bit, right? Like they're a part of you. And I always love, um, love the, you know, the spirit babies. And I always feel like your babies, no matter if they're here on earth, um, or not are always with you in a certain way. I like that. Me too. And I also believe that most of the time, those ones that we've lost come back. Right. So at least for me, I know two of my three are ones that I had lost. So I, and everybody has different beliefs on that, but sometimes I think if you do kind of subscribe to that or believe in that, it helps a little bit to say like, we will still be together or we will be together in some form or fashion. And, and having that is a little bit comforting to know that, you know, maybe it's just not right right now, but we will, we are meant to be together, right? Our souls are meant to, to cross in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, I look at my boys, especially my second and go, you were like meant to be here and he wouldn't be here if everything would have went my way. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think like, okay, it's so hard when you're in the thick of it um, to realize that, but when you're at the end and you see the children um, that the universe has given you, you kind of go, I get it. Like yeah. I get it now, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's extremely hard and it doesn't take away from any loss, you know, any loss that you've had. Of course. Yeah. What else, um, what would be your top tip when you are, um, newly pregnant after a loss? What is one thing that you would like to, um, let women know about about that kind of the first few weeks self-care do what's gonna keep your self-preservation self-preservation contained and self-care so whether that's you know ordering out your favorite tacos on tuesday every night and meeting your friends every monday or doing stuff that you know is going to bring you joy and making a list buy all the food that you normally wouldn't buy you know treat yourself to things that are going to again, bring you some joy for that moment because it is a high anxiety time. And those little things that can be like, okay, I'm not, I don't normally, but like I, I create stuff. So I don't normally play with Play-Doh, but I'm going to do this today, or I'm going to order a coloring book so that when I feel like I'm getting triggered about this, I'm going to, you know, color or call a friend or something. So I always say, have your go-to list of when you feel like you're getting triggered, that you're going to do that, whether that's, you know, looking up recipes that you're going to cook that day, whatever you feel brings you some joy and peace, do that and go extra on those first few weeks, because it is going to be triggering. It is going to be like every cramp and feeling you get, you're going to start to worry. Is this something happening? Um, and making those little adjustments of, okay, I'm going to have ice cream tonight and I never have ice cream or just allowing yourself to, to be a little bit more free because in your head, 
it, it's hard, right? It's not as easy as we would like it to be. And so if we can find small joys in other things, whether that's ice cream or coloring books or recipes that you did, wouldn't normally try, I say do that. And then once you get to that point of you start feeling secure and you're everybody that's different for everyone, right? Some people it's not until they have a baby in their arms and they literally say that for others, it's 12 weeks for others, it's 18 weeks or the anatomy scan. Um, but just know that this is a short period of time. So whatever you're doing, you know, isn't going to be detrimental, that pint of ice cream or whatever it is, it's not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt the baby. If that's going to bring you joy. And if that's going to keep your hormone levels down, right? Your cortisol and your adrenals, it's so important to try to stay at some level of calm, despite your anxiety through the process. So that's kind of my top tip for people that are newly pregnant coming off of a miscarriage is really just find that list of your go-to that, you know, you have there. So if that's a trip to the beach, um, in the afternoon or whatever it is for you, everybody's different, but just have your go-to list. Yeah. I think that's what it's, um, you know, when we say prepare yourself for these moments, like when you're working on your mindset, you might feel like, oh, this isn't working. This is mundane. I don't really like this. But when you're in the thick of whatever you're in the thick of, and you have those tools that you can like catch yourself, um, you know, ruminating or like thinking bad thoughts or getting down about something, you can snap out of it. And that's where all the practice comes in and really helps guide you through those hard moments, you know, um, and yeah, I think early pregnancy, especially after loss are some of the hardest times you're going to have mentally because you're just with yourself. You're not allowed to drink, you know, like party with the girls, forget about things, you yeah. know, go skydiving, like whatever, you know, like you have yeah. to kind of be calm in yeah. a sense. Right. And um, yeah, that's and when you're calm, you're just basically with yourself. Um, so that's, yeah, a really important thing is like set yourself up for success, start doing these things. Now that's a, a great, um, tip is like make a list of that you can pull out when you forget, right. Cause we all forget We're, like even me, I'm like, where's my list of things to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Um, so yeah, I think that's really amazing. We'll tell our listeners. Yeah, my, with, oh, oh, go sorry. ahead. I was going to say, keeping in mind too, like we said earlier, there's so much moving in your body at that time, right? So you are going to feel things cramping and changing yeah. and whatever, because your body is literally knitting together a place for this baby to grow. So everything that you feel, understand that there's a, something happening inside. It's not necessarily bad, right? It's it has to move. It has to shift. It has to be making space in there. And so just getting your, your head around being educated of what's happen happening in there helps as well so that you're aware of like, okay, this is okay. I don't need to panic. I'm probably, you know, my cervix is probably doing something or, you know, the placenta is growing now or whatever it may be, just knowing that every push and pull is not a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. I truly believe that most um, pregnancies already written in the stars too. Like there's little that anyone can do to change the outcome. A hundred percent. That's what I say about the pint of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. If that's going to bring you joy, it's not going to, it's not going to be the deal breaker for no. what's happening. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. 
Right. Well, uh, let our listeners know where they can find you. So you can find me at elizabethking.com and or at my Instagram, elizabethking underscore coaching or the podcast, Pretty Little Tribe. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. I know that it's an important subject to get out there and help support women because um, I would say most of us go through it and just knowing that we're not alone is incredibly important. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Finding Fertility podcast. If you're loving this podcast, please leave us a rating and review and let us know how this podcast is supporting you to get steps closer to creating your dream family. I hope you have a beautiful weekend and we will see you next Friday for another episode of the Finding Fertility podcast.